This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. I'm Ange. I love that she calls me back. Good morning. Let me give you a chance to say good morning back. I say good morning and talk right over you. Good morning. (laughs) I agree with Diva. Thank you for being here. And I'm going to do my best to make it worth your time, but I'm also going to mess with you just a little bit today. I know that because this message has messed with me. For a couple of months now. So Diva is totally right. Ron's talk last week really was helpful in figuring out how we can build these sacred spaces. So let's start with why we are talking about sacred spaces right now. I am probably not alone in the sensation of grieving on behalf of our society that seems so split. And you can talk on any number of topics and say, gosh, our community, our local community and our national community seems at odds with itself, that we are one society, one culture, but we are split on all kinds of topics. Am I alone in that grief? No, no. So I love the fact that as a church, we can talk about these because it is, if it was an easy solution... As a society, we would have stumbled ourselves there. We would have already found that solution. Diva's right. When we talk about the sacredness of a human being, there is always somebody in our world that we can picture that is like, really, that? (laughs) Really? So if it was going to be easy, if it was going to be natural, if it was just going to happen, it would have happened by now. And I love that we are a courageous community that is pressing in to the messy pressing into the counterculture. Because truly, if we look around at our culture and we can see it is divided and it is at odds with each other, then that means in order to solve this problem, we're going to have to be counterculture. And the good news is that we serve a God who is counterculture in this way, who has developed a third way, not this way and that way against each other, but a third way. And so what we're talking about with these sacred spaces is how to create these sacred spaces because it's easy to think if I just search hard enough, eventually I'm going to find a safe place, a sacred place where I can be fully myself and we won't have any kind of conflict. That's not how it's going to happen. We're going to have to create sacred spaces and we want to talk about how. So Ron last week started with the definition of sacred, which is a great place to start again. It is belonging to God, treated with great respect, and never to be infringed or dishonored. That is the just old school definition of sacred. Not even just Ron's, like straight out of the dictionary definition, which I love because it speaks to the truth of us being made in God's image. And he went so far as to say that each of us, no matter how we behave, no matter what we believe, no matter anything about us, is inherently honorable is worthy of honor and respect. And step one of creating sacred spaces is starting by respecting the sacredness in each other. But truth be told, if we stop there, it's pretty possible to respect from a distance. It's pretty possible to look over there and say, well, that's not how I would do it, but I can respect that. That's why I say we're going to push the envelope today. It's going to get a little uncomfortable because I'm going to tell my idea of why I think we've got to go one step further. 
I believe in order to create these sacred spaces, we need to practice acceptance. And it's uncomfortable because right in the midst of that concept is this proximity question. For me to accept you, and I would like to say, Jesus, the narrative that the world, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, has this idea of Jesus was radically accepting, which is so interesting because Jesus was full on counterculture. It's not like he had that reputation because he was just repeating what everyone else was already saying. He was saying fundamentally different things, and yet the reputation that he carries 2,000 years later is of radical acceptance. And yet, the body of believers that is marking the loudest voices for the Christian organization, the Christian movement, are known for something not that. We are much more often known for standing on our beliefs at the expense of our relationships with this proximity. So today, I am largely going to speak to those of you who affiliate with the Christian faith. This is a message for you as Jesus followers, for me as a Jesus follower. If you do not affiliate with the Christian faith, I have a feeling you're going to say, yes, please keep talking about this. The church needs to figure this out. It's about time. (laughs) I think I might be speaking to Jesus followers directly, but I'm pretty sure we're all going to resonate with this concept. It is time. It is time. And so Ron used this awesome graph last week that I just thought was really cool to demonstrate this idea of sacred spaces. And the title of this is Sacred Spaces Plural, and this graph shows it. He talked about the sacred space that is each individual person inside of a location. And I'm going to say location could be a conversation, a conversation where we can both be fully ourselves and express our beliefs and opinions and still find it safe. That is a sacred space. But it could be your community group. He used the example of a family last week. It could be a friendship or a roommate scenario. Like sacred spaces could abound. It's any time we are interacting with each other has the opportunity to be a sacred space. So this series is referencing two kinds of sacred spaces. It is the individual and the image of God that they represent. That is sacred. But then also the context with which we interact with each other. That also is sacred. And I think it is sacred by God's empowerment. Like, I want that conversation to be sacred. But it feels sacred to us when we practice this respect that we talked about last week or when we learn to practice the acceptance we're going to talk about this week. So that's what we're referring to when we say sacred spaces. Here's my basic premise today. We need to stop drawing our lines of acceptance based on agreement. We need to stop drawing our lines of acceptance based on agreement. And I'd like to show you another little graph that this is what I think we assume will make a sacred space. So over there, that left circle, yep, it's left on both sides. Over there, the left circle is maybe a whole group of people that share a common faith system. In the center is all parents. These are people that are all parents. And on the right, these are all people that vote. And we tend to think this space will be safe or this space will be sacred if we can all agree. But I have very purposely put in one little slightly different 
spot in each one. And this is where I think the rub is. We keep thinking, if I meet enough people that are like me, I will find a sacred space and it'll be safe. And we think it's just going to happen. But we get into like a community group. We're like, okay, we all share Christian faith. And then we find that one who's like pushing the conversation in a direction. We're like, I'm not sure that's true. And we get all kinds of uncomfortable and the safety is lost. If we don't learn some of these skills we need to be talking about, or we think, oh, they're parents, I'm a parent, they're a parent of three boys, I'm a parent of three boys, this will be a sacred space until we discover that they parent wholly different on a completely different value system than us. And then we are all back to the, like, you have your version of that. Like, it might not be this face, but we have, this is what happens, is we think that our lines of acceptance should be based on agreement. All right, let's just move on to the next one. People, we gotta find a way. We gotta find a way to accept what we do not agree with. And that is revolutionary right there because everybody is telling us that we don't. Everybody is telling us, man, we spend a lot of time talking about our rights. You have a right to disagree. But as Jesus followers, we forfeited our right of who we're going to respect. We forfeited our right of who we're going to love. And how can I love you when I am standing internally in opposition to you? Now, I realize we actually probably already know, we probably already know acceptance is a thing we need to be doing. As Jesus followers, when we look at a leader who was radically accepting, we know we're supposed to emanate that. Most of us, we just don't know how. I'll be the first. How? How? So I'm not going to lay today's talk out in a three-step, this might be infuriating to some of you, I didn't realize that, but whatever, you have to go with it. Oh, I'm not going to lay this out in a three-step, here's how you do it. You do this, and you do that, and you do this. It is really easy to come into an environment like this, and one, assume that the person up here is an expert. If I am an expert on this topic, I am an expert in the wrong way, so just know that. Secondly, it's, it, the solution is not going to be found in my words. The solution is going to be found in our heart spaces. And we are shaped by story. So I'm just going to tell you some stories that have really rattled my view on this topic. And I'm going to let you sit in the discomfort of that. And I'm hoping that you are uncomfortable on the way out the door so that you will keep that inner dialogue with God going. That is how we are going to be shaped in a way that makes us radically accepting. So we're going to leave a little bit unsettled, and that's going to be okay. And I'm just going to tell you some stories. So I'm going to start with the story of God. What better place to start? I believe one of the things that we're missing is the concept of free will and that we need to be accepting each other's right to free will. A few years ago, I was shocked to discover that I resonated with a part of God's story that I had never considered before. I was very familiar with the narrative of God that sent his son to die on my behalf. And I'm endeared to that God. I owe that God my life. I love that God. And that looked to me like the biggest sacrifice possible. A sacrifice I couldn't imagine making. That's something I deeply respect about God. But a few years ago, I was struck with the idea 
that perhaps God even made a larger sacrifice that I had not really paid attention to. There were a lot, every culture has had a story describing the creation of humankind and the interaction with the gods or a god. One of the things that is uniquely distinctive, might be redundant, distinctive about the Christian story of creation is a personal God who loves his creation. His creation was not made to serve him or he was not hands off with his creation. But one of the most beautiful aspects is he could have made us like the animals that he made. He could have made us robots. And he chose to respect our free will because he recognized if he makes us robots, we cannot choose him. We cannot choose relationship with him. So even though, is that my earring? You guys, why didn't you say something? (laughs) Strike that from the video. God and free will, (laughs) all-powerful, all-knowing, all-relational God, in my opinion, the biggest sacrifice he made was making us with free will. Think about what that's cost him. I mean, how badly do we grieve the pain of life, whether it is a robbery that steals from one person or another? That is free will. That is someone acting out their free will whether that is a harsh word spoken, whether that is a mass shooting. God stood at the moment of creation and said, I have to give them free will. It is really important that they have free will so that they can choose me, so that they can choose each other, so that we can live in relationship. I'll be honest, if I was in charge, I don't think I would have given you free will. (laughs) Okay, I should have said I wouldn't have given me free will. Like The the choices I have made with my free will, I I don't know that I would have done that. It's cost him. So the other day I was grieving something just sad, sad, and I had this re-realization. Could you see this moment when you opted for free will? Could you see this moment? How do you stomach this, God? How do you stomach our choices with free will? If God can offer that free will for millennia to every resident on this planet, I am challenged to accept your free will, just you, just one person's free will, that person in our little dot, this person's free will. We need to begin to press into God's understanding of the value of free will so that we can also embrace it in each other's lives. That is a story that I have been replaying over and over as I have struggled to do this acceptance thing, to draw in those who I disagree. I need to learn to respect the right to their free will, even if I I cannot understand how they're using it. That is an area that I need to grow. It's written into God's story with humanity in a way that is compelling and cannot be ignored. I would like to propose the safety of these sacred spaces that we want to build is based on acceptance. 
That is where we actually find the safety, where we can be free to share of our thoughts and know that I am still accepted in here, even if I don't actually agree with who else is in the room. So God taught me this lesson in a very personal way a few years ago that I'd like to share. And I'd like you to meet my beautiful mom on the screen. I'm not going to call her out of the audience. That would be unkind. This is my mom, Monica. I love that woman. (laughs) And she taught me a lesson um, inadvertently, but God bless her. She gave me the chance to actually practice this with her. A couple of years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer. And she is good. We're all good. Let's just, that can sit easy in this story. <laughs> she was diagnosed with cancer, and it began a war in me about free will. As her daughter, I have a vested interest in my mother's health, <laughs> as you do in your loved ones. And all of a sudden, I was faced with the fact that I am very greatly affected by the choices that she makes. Are her doctors doing a good enough job? Are they telling her what they need to tell her? I wanted to support her, as you would too. If you have a loved one going through something, man, you want to be there. I wanted to be at every single doctor's appointment. However, I could feel inside of me that I had all kinds of opinions that were going to shape those doctor's appointments. I had treatments that I didn't think she should be doing, and I had treatments that I like, she needs to do that. I struggled greatly with this concept of her free will. Anybody who has had a loved one diagnosed with cancer has had some version of this wrestling match. And I found myself in conversations with God like, okay, I need to remain quiet and support her. I can feel that. I am supposed to be doing that. Are you going to tell her to say no to that treatment? Like, (laughs) when it's out, you know, send God to do your dirty work. Like, I, I was desperate for my mom to be okay. And I remember the day I said to God, as he was telling me, honey, your job is support. Like, that's your job is is support. To which, of course, I argued back, as you would too, I think. I will support her with wisdom in her decisions. (laughs) Just staying at it. As God was saying to me, honey, your job is support. That's your job. I remember saying back to him with somewhat a, a fist in the air, but it's life or death, God. It's life or death. Like, we're dealing with my mom's health. It's life or death. And he just, is the way that he does, just gently whispered back, I know, but it's her life. It's her life. Therefore, it is her choice. And it's your choice to walk with her or to have this wedge between you as you walk this journey. You deserve, I deserved to stop holding my breath with all my opinions. I deserved to be fully in that moment with her supporting her. She deserved not to be managing my opinions while trying to manage her health care. <laughs> she deserved that space. And I remember the feeling that came over me when I accepted, accepted her right to free will even with life and death on the line. I asked her permission to share this story, and she said, honey, I know the moment you made that choice. Just like, oh, of course. (laughs) Of course. Friends, our interactions were felt. We're felt. If we're fighting this tug of war of acceptance, it's felt. It's felt. We gotta start drawing our lines of acceptance not based on agreement. 
Thank you for that. Um, I have a quote. Uh, oh, my gosh. I'd like to tell you the scripture. Cassie, can we pop to the... Yep, keep going. Can we pop to the Romans 5, 8? I love this because this verse also demonstrates something about God with us and our free will. The verse simply says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For those of us that were raised in the church, this is a familiar scripture. This is a concept that we celebrate every single Sunday in communion. What I seem to forget so often is that God made that choice with no strings attached of whether or not I would stop being a sinner. Have you thought about that? Like, and It's not like he made that choice at the same choice that I chose him. He made that choice with no strings attached to how I would use my free will. God sets the bar right off the bat with this radical acceptance. While I was still going my own way with no promises that I would stop going that way, he died for me to make a way back. I came across this um, quote that is just, it really has, has rattled me and stuck with me because it makes a reference to a Bible verse where we were told to love God and love our neighbors. That is a basic commandment of the Christian faith. And this makes a reference in a way that just shatters. Uh, it just shakes me up a little. It's by Barbara Brown Taylor. The only clear line I draw these days is this. When my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor. That's the only line. So when I say we got to stop drawing our lines of acceptance based on our agreement, she is saying the same thing. The only clear line I draw these days is this. When my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor. Because Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. Whoa. Whoa. If I'm honest, it is often my belief system that makes me feel at odds with other people. You're not living in a way that, whatever. It's my belief system. If my religion is coming in the way between my ability to love my neighbor, something's off with my religion. And I know it's easy to sit here and look out and say, gosh, the narrative, the, the Christian narrative out there is not one of love. It's one of judgment. But folks, it's us. We need to create that narrative. We have the ability in Sonoma County to make a difference in that narrative based on our radical acceptance. Here is another Bible verse from 1 Corinthians that just says, love is patient. And I heard a pastor talk about this verse in this way. This is how he gave an example of what this is. It adjusts its pace in light of those around it without demanding they keep pace with me. I maybe believe a certain value system that you don't share. My love for you makes me patient. Not the kind of patient that taps its toes. My love for you accepts you right where you are without needing to fix that, without needing to agree, just to love. So I've been praying about this talk for months now. Um, And then this last week, I was watching a documentary on Woodstock. (laughs) Did someone else watch it? Okay, that's what we do in our free time. (laughs) I was watching this documentary in Woodstock, and I just got socked in the face. I mean, just socked in the face with this this understory. It wasn't even the main story of Woodstock. Woodstock was a rock fest. I think you all know. I mean, I was not alive during this time, but Woodstock was a rock festival that was no... It was... um, supposed to be 
full of peace, loving. It was, it had some strong anti-Vietnam war tones to it. But in general, it was supposed to be a peaceful gathering that was just to celebrate music and love and be together. But all of the festivals that were like this leading up to Woodstock had erupted into violence. All of them had. And so the, the, uh, event planners for Woodstock had some unorthodox ideas about how to keep the violence down at Woodstock, which is brilliant. Watch the documentary. It's totally interesting. However, in the midst of that, they make mention of a commune called the Hog Farm. And it is not a Christian commune at all, but it was all about love and peace and maybe a lot about drugs, possibly. (laughs) And they were a big presence at Woodstock. But the story that just caught my attention is a story started by this man named Wavy Gravy. That just says so much right there. This is Wavy Gravy. He's got no teeth. <laughs> Just endeared to this character. Wavy Gravy was a resident on the hog farm and a leader in the hog farm. And when he went to Woodstock, he knew drugs was going to be a huge part of that experience. He knew that. And his love for people had him set up yurts and teepees so that he and his loved ones could love them through their bad asset trips. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so, like, that story right there pushes every notion that I have about radical acceptance. Like, okay, I just, I cannot get my mind wrapped around Wave and Gravy's love for people accepted the fact that drugs would be a part of Woodstock, proactively set up teepees and yurts to love people through bad drug trips. That is something, like, friends. Okay, let's say we're all headed to a rock festival and we want to find a way to show people God's love. I'm pretty sure at the brainstorming meeting, we would talk about water bottles with the church's logo on them. We would be passing those out, right? Come on. Like, we would brainstorm a ways to show people God's love. Would it land on our brainstorming list? Would it meet our approval to set up tents to love people through their bad drug trips? Well, now it would. Like, <laughs> I'll be darned, though, if Wave and Gravy's peace, love, and harmony is going to outlove people. Come on, my faith needs to command, to compel, demand. I don't want to be outloved. By wavy gravy. <laughs> Love essence. Like somebody put that on my tombstone. I was not outloved by wavy gravy. <laughs> this idea of radical acceptance just blows my mind. I have one other story that I heard a couple of months ago on a podcast that I just won't let go. It just will not let go. It was a Christian family in Canada who had become friends with a Muslim family. Let's just stop there. How are we doing on our friendships with people of other religions? Okay, so right there already, my mind was like, "Mm, okay. Christian family becomes friends with a Muslim family who is seeking asylum in Canada. And they say to their Muslim friends, not, would you like me to pray for you to get asylum, which is what I would have done. Oh, I will pray for you for that. They said, would you like to get together and pray that you will get asylum? Whoa. (laughs) That stretches me. 
that stretches me. I'm going to pull somebody from another religion into my home, and we're going to pray side by side for their prayer request, for whatever it was. It doesn't even matter if it's asylum. Fun side fact, that family got asylum. They started telling other Muslim families about this family who prayed for them to get asylum, like, you should come pray with them. (laughs) They're batting a thousand, you guys. Everybody they have prayed with, and on top of it, people have come to faith, which is like, but you can feel in that family's prayers, that's not the point. The point is to love. The point is to be united. Would I pray? Would I hold a prayer meeting with somebody from another religion? Man, it's just shaking me. It's just shaking me up. It's unsettling this radical acceptance. But I believe it is a third way that God is calling us to. The sacredness, this was a quote from Ron last week, and I just loved it. The sacredness of every human being is the foundation that every sacred space rests upon. Their sacredness in that they were made in the image of God and their sacredness that they have a right to their free will. And it is our responsibility to adjust to that right, not them adjust their agreements to match us so that they can be sacred spaces. We adjust. We've got to stop drawing the lines of acceptance based on agreement. All right, I'd like to do an exercise that's a little unorthodox, but we're going with it. I'd like to do a little exercise that I think demonstrates this really well. It's it's uncomfortable, though. I'm sorry about that. And on top of it, I need seven volunteers to make it happen. I do, yes, Shauna, I do promise not to embarrass you. Can you come up, Shauna, do you mind? I need six more. I got one. Just come on up. You don't have to raise your hand. Hello. Hello. All right, go ahead. Just grab one. All you're going to do is hold this sign. There's absolutely no affiliation to this sign to you. Thank you. How many more do I need? Yes, thank you. That's the spirit. Justin, can I still have you? Even if I run out of signs, I need one more gutsy one. Ha <laughs> You don't get a sign. I'm so sorry about you. Uh, sure. I need one more. I mean, I can hold it. I don't care. All right. Yes, that's the spirit. Did you get a good one? Okay. Um, that's just rubbish. I just accidentally brought some extras. Can we see yours? Uh, more? Into the light. Come into the light. Okay, I'm questioning my Christianity. I'm not sure I want to stay married. My daughter has just come out. I have a criminal record. I am four months behind on my mortgage. I affiliate with an unpopular political party, and I think I might get fired. Justin, there is no right or wrong answer to this. Would you mind putting these in order of complexity of conversation? So let's say this is a community group. Let's say this is a community group, and we're going to have a discussion. And we've made it a sacred place. It's safe. It's all. Can you just put them in order of simplest to most complicated? We'll put most complicated over here. Okay? Okay? And you're physically going to move when he, you know, tells you. No right or wrong answer. It's okay. Do you want audience participation? Do I get the Price is Right music right Move the people. Move the people. Yeah. 
That's rubbish here. Just fine, Maggie. Bless you. Bless you again. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to stay married. I'm questioning my Christianity. Okay. Okay. Any last, you know, on the price is right. You're right. On the price is right. They like, okay, are you set? It's so funny. It's like I look at one of these, I, I feel like I could fix one of these, you know? <laughs> uh, except, Justin. Except. Radical acceptance. I know. I'm having to fight that feeling. All right. I, okay. I Good job. So now I have, you can have a seat. I'm not actually going to reveal whether you're right or wrong because that's not really the point. Here's my question for us as a community. And I say community because I could be talking about us as a church, but I could also be talking about us as Petaluma and Sonoma County. My question is this. How safe do we want to be? This safe where if we get into a conversation with someone, she is remaining sacred, she is being trusted, she, we're not trying to fix her. Do I want to be this safe? As a church body, how safe do we want to be? Are we drawing the line here? Like, we could create sacred spaces as long as all we're talking about... Oh, it's your Paul. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just apply it to our church body just for a second. In your community group... How safe are we going to be? How sacred? How radically accepting? This is a touchy one. <laughs> and it's not the end of the line. Am I at the halfway? I'm not even at the halfway point. Friends, we got to get this right. And I know he's not affiliated with this sign and he's not affiliated with that sign. But there is a face in your world who holds this sign silently. There is a face in your world that holds this sign silently. There is a face in our community that holds this sign silently. There are people enmeshed, entangled in these ideas. This is their real life. How safe are we going to be? Are we cutting the line? Who are we cutting off? we got to learn to draw the lines of acceptance not based on agreement. Thank you so much, you gutsy people. I'll take your signs. Oh, oh I'm not going to have hand. Thank you. I have one more Bible verse that just really resonated with me as I thought through this topic. And it is from Philippians 2. Dear friends, continue to work out your faith with fear and trembling. This is us working out our faith. Those of us that claim Jesus' followership, this is a face of our faith. This is going to take fear and trembling to step into the mess, to say, I don't care if other Christians think I've lost my faith because I am choosing to wrap my arm and affiliate with myself with somebody that they disagree with. It takes faith, fear, and trembling to do that. And it is where God is calling us. 
to love somebody who's hard to love, to love somebody that others are excluding, to let something go, to respect a sacred space around a person. Let's work out our faith with fear and trembling. We can do it together. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up our time, but don't sneak out because I have a special announcement and Bill's going to help me with it in a little bit. But those signs you saw, I don't know how much you can connect, but as someone who is on the prayer team, I'm praying at least for a couple of those signs, maybe all of them, whether it's you or a loved one. So we're going to go ahead and have guest services collect those connect cards. So I hope that you would write down your prayer that we could be praying for you this week. So they are going to go ahead and come forward. I want to remind you today's our last day for our community update or not community update, sorry, community groups. I think I made that mistake last time, didn't I? So if you are not signed up for community groups, today's your last day. We were trying to do the math, and some of us weren't math people, but we, we did the math. We think 96% of us are signed up for a group. So a little round of applause. Yes. And those of you who are new and are going to be joining a life group, I'm ex- or community group. Oh my gosh, there I go again. Yeah, I am just like so excited for you because I've raved about my community group and how much I love them. And I don't know if they love me, but do, do you love me? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, but I just love connecting with them and sharing life with them. So for this next announcement, I'm going to go ahead and welcome up Bill, who is a great friend and in my community group. All right. Yeah. Check. Okay. Good morning. I'm a little nervous. Are you ready to tell them? Tell them what? About our announcement. We're not running away with the circus. (laughs) Yeah. Or each other. Okay. So, yeah. (laughs) I hope not. I'd probably run away with your wife. She's a good cook. She is. Yeah. I'd run away with Gail first. (laughs) It's okay. Gus and I would be fine. Yeah, I think you would. Yeah, he's just like, do it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we wanted to go ahead and give you an update on our lead pastor search. We know that you guys have been craving information, so we are here to go ahead and share a little bit with you. And I have my notes, so um, I apologize, but I want to make sure I hit all my points. So we have made great progress in our search. We started with over 70-plus applicants Um, from all over the country, and we've been doing a lot of research, a lot of interviews, and we have narrowed it down to a short list. Um, So we're really excited, and they're all highly qualified. These are all really um, great candidates that we are meeting. Um, So we, as the stewards team, we are meeting these last short list of candidates face-to-face to to get to know them in person. Um, And I do got to say, we are loving it. We, this, it's just been a lot of work, but just a joyful process. It really has. And it's, it's been very affirming to find people who share our, share our heartbeat, Uh, folks that would share the same passion that we have at New Life for this kind of radical love that, that Angela was talking about and to change the, the spiritual climate of Sonoma County, but also who bring the vision and the gifts of leadership that can help move us forward in our next steps to fulfill the mission that God is calling us to. Yeah, 
at this point, we can see ourselves being easily led by any of these candidates. So I hope that that rests happily on your heart, that, oh, okay, we're, we're in a really good spot. And we really hope to be wrapping up this process very soon. So I want to just kind of um, put that at rest, too. Like, it's, we're, we're almost there, guys. And you guys have been hanging in with us, and we appreciate that. And we do appreciate your prayers as well. Yeah, and we really appreciate your prayers, especially as we as we have to make the tough choices, as we have this this small handful of candidates left. So please continue to pray for us throughout this process. Um, it's been great so far, and we still covet your prayers t- to the end. Yes, and if you have more questions, you can find one of the stewards um, who are myself or Bill, Ashley Parliament down here in green, and then Rick DeCarly's looking hot in his pink shirt over here. So any of us, um, you can go ahead and find us, and we'd be happy to uh, walk you through any questions you might have. Otherwise, that's all we have for you guys today. So I'm going to send you off. Uh, We're all done. I will see you in October. Yes, it'll be October. Bye, guys. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.